Jay Billis, always appreciate his time in doing that. Of course, you see and hear him all the time covering college basketball on ESPN and also on ESPN.com. Jay, thank you for taking the time to do this in an offseason. Um, let me start. The other day, the whole Isaiah Wong thing in the NIL, just as, as somebody who's you know older, that really caught me by surprise. But that's just the way the sport is now. Is the NIL a good thing or a bad thing for college basketball? It's a great thing. Uh, there's there's no reason why players shouldn't be allowed the same economic rights as everyone else. So while old-timers like you and me might have raised their eyebrows because it's different, how is it any different than Bruce Pearl getting a gigantic extension when the Maryland and Louisville jobs came open? Um, you know, what, why was that acceptable and okay? And Isaiah Wong saying, hey, listen, you know, I'm worth more than this. Ultimately, he stayed. Mm-hmm. So what, what's the big deal? I mean, you know, whomever was, was making that decision on the Miami side said, no, we're good with what we're offering. And Wong stayed. It's just business. And uh, so to me, it's no different than somebody says, hey, you know, a, a player on, on the team says, hey, I was your leading scorer this year as a walk-on. I want a scholarship. Well, how, is that, how is that different from saying, well, I want more money? It's, it's really all the same. It's just new. And, uh, and us old folks have to get used to players are valuable commodities. And they always have been. We've just acted in concert to limit them to, to their expenses only for all these years, and we can't get away with that anymore. It's illegal. Uh, I think, well, I'm not a fan of the NCAA. I don't believe you are either. And they didn't step in and do anything here. But down the road here, Jay, if this is going to be regulated in some way, who will do it? It can't be regulated uh, that way. Well, who regulates coaching contracts and who regulates? Yeah, good point. Um, yeah. Who, who regulates the employees that are hired by every school? I mean, you're down at the University of Florida. I'm just guessing, but I'll bet the, U- the University of Florida has thirty thousand employees, if not more. So, how do they make those decisions and decide whether they're going to retain somebody or they leave? They have attrition too. They're they're they have retention issues. They have to hire somebody else. It's not that big of a deal. And uh, I'm sure when they win, um, some of the assistants say, hey, we have the best, uh, the, the offensive coordinator said, we just had the best offense uh, in college football this year. I, I deserve more money. Um, that's happened before, and it'll happen again. And it's just business. And it's, it's the same thing here. So, uh, look, we're in a different sphere right now because now the players are getting a little bit more um, they're having a few more rights than they had before. They, they still don't have full rights. But the truth is, the NCAA cannot regulate this. They, they're trying to. They're trying to say, well, they can't, the players can't be employees. They can't be, there can't be pay for play. But everybody knows they can't enforce it because when they try to, they're going to get taken to court and they'll lose the, the same way they lost the Alston case. So they can say they're going to regulate it, uh, but, but there's no teeth in this at all. Is it with the portal and all of that and not knowing your roster until a certain date, Jay, is it tougher to coach now perhaps than it used to be? Yeah, it's a little bit tougher, but uh, but coaches are getting paid more than they've ever been paid. And, you know, I had a friend of mine uh, quote the Godfather to me recently, what <laughs> Hyman Roth said to, you know, the other, the other heads of the families. He said, this is the business we've chosen. And, and this is the way it is. Like, the truth is, it's not difficult now. Uh, the coaches uh, of the past had it easy. 
And uh, they had it easy because they had, you know, rules that violated federal antitrust law that, that kept players in place. Like, think about it this way, Steve. Like, uh, people don't know this, but it's true. There was a transfer restriction in only five sports that were sponsored by the NCAA. Men's and women's basketball, football, baseball, and hockey. Everybody else has been able to transfer and be eligible right away forever. So how did all those other coaches manage their rosters? They, they just had to bow up and do it. And now it's a little bit different for a, a football coach or a basketball coach. I don't know a if you have, bit different. I'm sorry. I don't know if you have an opinion on this. You know, Keontae Johnson w- was never going to play here again. He was not going to be medically cleared to play. Now he goes in the portal. Do you think he'll play again? I don't know. Uh, I'm not up on his, his medical status. Um, I hope he plays again, but does so in the, in the healthiest possible manner. Um, but that's, that's an example, Steve, of, of players transfer for a lot of different reasons. And the coaches seem, the ones that are complaining, seem to focus on the, the very few that don't want to deal with adversity or they're listening to the wrong people. You know, why, why should a player, when you really think about it, why should a player like Keontae he wants to play? It's his risk alone that he's taking. And, and I don't know the situation of Florida, but let me, let me, you know, let me just go with, with sort of a, an example. Sure. If, if not, not because I don't know. If it's that, that he feels like he can play and the university doesn't want to take the risk, why shouldn't he be allowed to go somewhere else and play? And mm-hmm. if he does go, so why should he have to sit out a year? You know, to me, that's a legitimate reason to transfer. Uh, maybe a player is just unhappy, you know, has depression, anxiety, which a lot of students deal with, not just athletes, and they want to change the scenery. Why should they have to sit out a year? Um, you know, when, when you have all these assistant coaches leaving and going from place to place, you, you had a coach in your league, Mike White, just, just left uh, Florida and went to Georgia. So it was an interconference transfer where a player wouldn't have been eligible to do that, but a coach can do it. Yes. And uh, it, it, a lot of these rules don't make sense. And they were in place in order to control the commodity, and that, that's the player. Um, and they got away with it for a long time. They can't get away with it anymore. But, but one more thing on the transfer side. Sure. So say a kid gets, because uh, this happens a lot, a kid gets recruited, and he, he's better than the level of recruiting. So Bryn Forbes is an example I, I used to use, and it's starting to get dated. But Bryn Forbes wasn't a high-level recruit. He goes to Cleveland State, does extraordinarily, extraordinarily well, and decides, you know what, I think I can excel on a bigger stage and transfers to Michigan State. And not only did he excel, he's in the NBA now. So who's harmed by that? Somebody could argue that, well, Cleveland State invested in him. Um, They deserve a return on that investment. If they're paying him and, and it's a contract, I would say yes. But the truth is, if Bryn Forbes' coach at Cleveland State took them to the Elite Eight, he'd be out in two seconds to go to Michigan State as head coach. Uh, so the players deserve the same consideration, in my view, to better themselves, just like coaches can or any other student can. Uh, I, I'd be remiss since I haven't talked to you since Coach K, you know, officially left. Um, where do you see Duke now? The you know the coach in play. I guess they just hired Jay Lucas, you know, who played at Florida as an assistant coach. Where do you see Duke post Coach K? 
very healthy. Uh, they've got the number one recruiting class coming in. John Shire is an outstanding young coach, and I think he'll do a great job. Obviously, he's going to have to prove that. What people say may may be relevant right now, but it's not going to carry the day. His performance will. Uh, but but they have all the resources, uh, the tradition. Uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure he'll do extraordinarily well. Next time I have you on, Jay, whenever that is, remind me because I want to get your opinion about officiating and where it needs to go. I think it needs to get blown up and start again. I, but I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. But just as a prelude maybe to the next time you're on, do you agree with that? What has to change with officiating? Well, I, no, I, I don't agree with that. First of all, the, the officials that we have in college basketball are great. They're pros. They work their butts off. And, and they do a great job. The structure of officiating could use change. Okay. Um, I, I think with all these different conference supervisors and the NCAA supervisors, the NCAA supervisor of officials does not have the authority that he or she needs to, to do this the, the right way or at least the, the best way, in my personal view. Um, I do think we need significant changes in the rules to make the game better. But we're dealing with a, uh, a structure that doesn't allow for the, that, the kind of change that I think is necessary. But, but this, this sometimes gets lost, in, at least in my commentary. Um, I have tremendous respect and admiration for the officials and, and, and for the supervisors, too. They're all really good people uh, that are, are great pros. I think the structure gets in the way of the product. Um, but, you know, like we need to change the charge block rule, and they just won't do it. They just won't do it. Um, there's always an excuse. We can't teach it. The last time we tried it, it didn't work. And, you know, to me, that's not a good enough reason. If we can officiate this the way the NBA does, but the, the system will not allow it to change. Um, and there are other rules that need to be changed, but, but we're resistant to do so. And, look, the officials take – the officials themselves take the brunt – of too much criticism. Like, I think it's fine to say, Hey, this official missed this call. That, that's fine. Um, but, but they do a great job by and large. Uh, but I'll give you an example. Like uh, officials get a lot of, a lot of flack for replay. That is not their fault. The replay is an imperfect system. Uh, in a lot of occasions in big games, it takes too long. That's not their fault. That's the fault of the rule and the rules committee. And too often, the supervisors and the and the, the rules committee itself is is the culprit, not not the official. Okay, good stuff. Uh, down the road, I want to I, I will uh, talk more about po- possible changes to you know what officials call and those those types of things. So, Jay, I appreciate your time as always. Thank you for taking it. Always a pleasure. Thank you. You got it, Jay. Jay Billis covers college basketball, of course, for ESPN one fifty. Time check brought to you by Hayes Jewelry. Final segment coming up, ESPN, 98.1 FM, 8.50 AM, WYUF.